Good evening and welcome to the midweek special of ELB. And it is our SAT attack coming quick and fast at you like a P-Wedge ante. Um, this is my turn to host. You may recognize my voice if you're a regular listener. I am Phil. Here with me tonight is Ant and we're joined by Alex this evening. Ant, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, can't complain, can't complain. And yourself? I'm not too bad, thank you. Excited to be here as always. Alex, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. Um, I probably could complain, but uh, I don't think we've got time for that. Yeah, no one <laughs> yeah. wants to hear that right no, now. No, no one's no one's interested. You said rent to a minimum. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. So, yeah, like I said, quick and fast. So our agenda for tonight is to go through a statistical breakdown of the questionable positions that the Springboks are still potentially mulling over. So that would be tight head prop, blindside flank and left wing. Um, so we'll go through the options, at the, the top options, who uh, is fighting over those positions, and how the stats compare, and we'll give you a ranking based on those stats. Mm. So before we start, Adam, I mean, Alex, mm. <laughs> add, <laughs> uh, okay. is there uh, any particular sort of stat per position that you feel is most important. Um, you're asking me or Adam? Well, certainly not Adam, but uh, <laughs> and, and so you, you can go um, first. It's, tr- <laughs> it's, it's tricky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's tricky. So I think the so the three positions we're doing is uh, tight head prop, uh, left wing specifically, but yes. I think we've, we've kind of lumped a few guys in there because we think it's first time. Right? And then blindside flank. So of those the most important I would say the key metric for any one of those positions is is the scrummaging effectiveness for a tight head prop I think of all the stats for all those three positions that's the most important one but Down, yeah. it's kind of the one that we've got the least clear data on right because scrumming is like the one thing that's not a, an individual effort so yeah, right. you know it's 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 difficult like that's why this is kind of an imperfect science but we do have that factored in. Um, we've got scrum completion. Um, so it's as good as we can get it. The other one, I think, oof, it's, it is tough. It's, it's, for me, it's kind of a... It's almost a tie between meters per run for a left for a wing um, and tackles per minute, or tackles per 80 minutes um, for the blindside flank. Because I think, for me, like that's the key role. If you could, I'd say the combination for, for yeah, runs and tackles for the blindside flank. Yeah, so you know, I mean, blindside flanks like just work rate, right? It's like yeah, it's yeah. like overall productivity. Um, kind of involved game, yeah. Yeah, I'd be yeah. happier with a with a blindside flank that made twenty tackles and made no carries, than with a blindside flank that made uh, and, like let's okay. say even if it was like ten and ten. <laughs> I don't know, like maybe that's uh, I don't I don't want to get into this. This way, uh, I, I guess it all, it, it all depends how your team is doing. Right? Yeah, yeah. I just think so. In other words, my point is like all things considered, I think defense is a little bit more important. But as you say, like it's a balanced role. Like it's supposed to just be all around effective and productive and industrious. Um, but like, yeah, so, I think the yeah. role in getting over the finish line, I reckon, is, is yeah. almost as important as their yeah. role as a defensive stopper. For like, sure. Right. And like, and and to flip the question quickly, um, I think like meters 
per run for a blindside flank is not something that I weigh very heavily. Um, no. Because like no you problem. can average like half a meter per run, and that could Although, that's enough to make me think that you're winning your collision. Right? Exactly. You just have to get over the yeah. line and take three tacklers with. Exactly. That's, that's a dominant yeah. character. Exactly. Yeah. I guess so. Right. So that's the way I see it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot to this kind of debate, right? Which is why we decided to record a, an extra special episode midweek. Uh, yes, to... exactly. So, um, Ant, is there anything else you want to add? Or can I get straight into the Taito prop comparison? Yeah, I think we can, we can jump straight into it. Um, okay, I'm sure so... any details start as we go along. <laughs> yeah, right. So, for the Taito prop, firstly, our potential players that we've considered are Trevor Nyakani. Kuni Ersthazen, Carlos Adi, Volko Lowe, Franz Malherber, and Thomas Dutoy. So that's six players, obviously, from the four teams. So a couple of the teams have two representatives. But I think between these six, even though they're not all on the Springbok squad, these are sort of the top six uh, who are in the pecking order. Yeah, the local candidates, because obviously we don't have the stats on Vincent Koch. Right, yeah, he's the only sort of he's on. They are. Yeah, so what, um, are the, what are the stats categories, Will? Okay, um, the stats categories that we've considered are scrum completion, as you said, mm-hmm. tackle percentage, average tackles per 80 minutes, average runs per 80 minutes, average penalties conceded per 80 minutes, so we're particularly trying to look at the scrum penalties there, but, um, you know, they're not uh, distinguished, but scrum uh, props very seldom give other sort of penalties. There are obviously offside penalties and those sort of things, but they're li- a bit less frequent. I think and Dean, then also... Dean Kraling is the exception to that rule. Yes, <laughs> if you have an idiot in your team, then, you know, there's very little you can do about it. <laughs> and then there's also meters per run and average number of possessions to concede a turnover. Yeah. Um, but so, those two are weighted less because we, as you... They're not quite as important. Or at least average number of possessions to concede a turnover is... Yeah. So, Ant, yeah. do you want to take us through some of the sort of more outstanding statistics from this group? Okay. So, the two that jump out immediately, um, being, as we say, the kind of the closest metric we can get to uh, being penalized at Scrum, is Cooney and Thomas Detoy are both the only props that concede, on average, more than one penalty per game, with Cooney sitting at 1.3 and Thomas at 1.4. Um, okay. Everyone else is under an a- the average of one penalty a game, um, which is... Whether those are down to discipline or down to scrum, scrumming necessarily, we're not 100% sure. But either way, that's not good if you're getting a player that's averaging over a penalty a game. Um, if you think on an average, a team concedes, what, 10 to 12 penalties. So that's you know, a player getting far more than his fair share um, consistently. Um, however, if you look at the scrum completion stat, those are two of the highest players. Um, yeah. That's... So does that, that does that indicate for you that then they're giving away like open play penalties? I think Kuni is liable to that. I think he's I don't know the stats to justify, it, but yeah. I feel like he gets caught reasonably yeah. often. Um, so just just to distinguish, sorry, uh, Ant. So the scrum completion rate is obviously on your own ball, yeah. whereas obviously you you would be more likely to give penalties away when it's the other team putting yeah. having the feed. Yeah. So I, I mean, it could I get, be that. I get that, but like, if you got it uh, above average or like the best scrum completion on your own ball right. out of all the props, like, like you can sh- surely kind of induce from that that you good on the opposition ball. I don't know. Maybe I'm making a bit of a leap of, of logic here. No, it makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, sorry, we were reading way between the lines, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I also used it juice in the wrong context. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And is there anything else on um, your side? Just jumping through very quickly and keeping focus on those two players. Um, they do have the highest, they seem to be two of the highest work rating props with the highest number of tackles and runs for 80 minutes. So it seems that what they're lacking in penalties, and maybe it's just that they, because they're involved so much more often, they're more likely to give away holding on penalties um, at the breakdown or um, you know, high tackles and things like that. So it might just be that their work rate is significantly higher, so they're exposing themselves to more risk in, on that front. Yeah. And when we look at the tackle percentage, yeah, so those two, they don't feature near the top of the actual tackle percentage stats. So the top two above 90 um, are Vilko Lowe and Franz Malherbert, both of the Stormers props. Um, so that's pretty interesting in terms of not missing your tackles. It's sort of whether it's those two players or whether it's the Stormers system is always hard to tell, but those two are certainly standing out in that category. Yeah, that's an interesting trend, eh? I'm just looking at it now. So, so, and you're saying that the Sharks props have the highest work rate, but also the yeah. highest uh, error slash discipline, or biggest discipline issue. Yeah. Um, okay, so, I mean, I think what we can draw from this is that is that fat people are just more prone to making mistakes the more opportunities we give them. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a pretty fair conclusion. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't jump away from okay. it. Apart from Wilco Lowe, who are we calling uh, all of these props fat? Just for the record, <laughs> I think all of these guys, be, to be honest. <laughs> well, we know that BMI calls them like morbidly obese. So, according to their BMI, yeah. they, should, they should all be dead. Like, there's <laughs> that's what morbid, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I know some of the some of the, the loose head props I wouldn't call fat, but I mean, amongst mm. these tight heads, I definitely think they're often in that category. Um, yeah, I think that the other thing that really stands out is the average number of possessions to concede a turnover. Obviously, here, um, a higher number is good. Hmm. And the rest of the props are all kind of between 11 and 15, whereas Wilco Lowe is sitting up at 30. Yeah. He does not give away the ball. Um, that's amazing. Which man. is very impressive. Because yeah, like, I mean, if, you, if you think about it, like on average, you wouldn't expect a prop to get more than, let's say, 10, like, let's say 10 touches in a game. Um so he's going. If you look at runs per minute, they, they're doing a run, runs per game. They're sitting, but he got five runs per game. So that's yeah. six games so six before you concede the Yeah, that's that's incredible, actually, when you put it that way. Whereas yeah. if you look at, let's say, Thomas Dutoy, who gets he gets eight runs in a game per eighty minutes, and then he turns that's... it over every thirteen possessions. So every game and a half, he's yeah, he's, he's conceding a turnover. Whereas Wilco is only doing it every six games. That's that's pretty impressive if you ask me. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. I'm surprised that Wilco's got the lowest scrum completion. 88%. To be fair, those are all pretty close together. I mean, the range is only 4%. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's just one season. I think we looked at him last year. He was a bit better. But, um, Phil, am I correct in saying that these are just 28, uh, 2019 stats, eh? Yes. Okay. So, for, for all our listeners, we're looking at uh, the complete Super Rugby season for 2019. Yeah, okay. Sorry, we didn't mention that before. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but still, I mean, yeah, 88%. I, I just think anything below 90 seems bad. 
Uh, but yeah, maybe so if I mean, if you're not winning nine out of your ten scrums on your own feed, yeah. then it doesn't seem good. Agreed. Yeah. So okay, so just to preempt the conclusion of this little segment, let's maybe take a quick look at Inyakane, uh for reasons which will become become clear shortly. So he's kind of he's he's pretty bad in almost all these categories. <laughs> um, so he's, yeah, he he's got the second good. worst meters per run. He's got the the second worst average number of possessions to concede a turnover. He's got the third worst just, just tackle percentage. And no, has got the worst number of possessions to concede a turnover. So that's not good with the two book props. Yeah. Both of the, of the worst two there. Yeah. Um, sorry, carry on. No, so, yeah, I mean, so he's got the... He's got the second worst average runs. He's like second worst in every single category, except for average tackles, um, where he is the worst. Um, <laughs> I thought that was going to be a bit better. <laughs> and okay, scrum completion. Oh, he's, 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 scrum completion. He's the second best. Average penalties conceded. He's, he's the second worst again. Yeah. Um, so Alex, oh, tell no, us wait, why he is second. being selected. Um, look, first of all, he's got killer dance moves. So that's, and you can't, he's you can't, because, you got to understand with props, that's one of the things you can't coach. So <laughs> everything else. And you can't put a stat on it. Yeah, everything, exactly. Like it's unquantifiable. So everything else you can teach him, not the dance moves. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I, this is why these sorts of things kind of make me uncomfortable because they, they force you to challenge <laughs> your, your pre-existing perceptions of people, about people. Cause I've been defending in Yakane all year, not from a lot of people, because most people, I think, were, were on my side saying that he had a really good season. And then you look at the numbers, you're like, shit, well, did he? I don't know. It seems weird. Um, I mean, that, that's why your numbers is great. As you say, it challenges your perception. Yeah. You, you remember players for their highlight reels. You remember players for that one dominant scrum they made in you yeah. know, their third game. I mean, that everyone's resounding me. memory of Beast is yes. you know, his scrumming against the British and Irish Lions. No one really remembers any other scrums he's had for the rest of his career, but he's renowned as a good scrummager yeah, because sure. of that. Yeah. Well, that sticks in your memory when you're framing your thought yeah. about him. Sure, he fucked, yeah. up. he fucked up full victory here. Yeah. Um, but no, but like, but this is the thing, right? So I agree with, I agree with what you're saying 100%, except in the case of Inyakane, the whole year it's been like, I, I feel like I've been saying to people, he doesn't do the glamorous stuff, but like, trust me, you know, like the hard work's there or whatever. Like he... You know, like, uh, Poboka seems to be doing, like, a lot more of the glamorous stuff that sticks in people's minds. And I felt like Inyakane was, like, the engine man. But now that I look at it, I'm like, shit, he doesn't, sound, doesn't seem like he was a very good engine man. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. So, maybe, yeah. Look, okay, so saying, to, to saying, ask the question of why Inyakane is there, it's because he's the flex prop, right? He's He covers loose and tight. So, that's something, that's true. That's something we don't have here. Uh, and the only other one on the list who does that is Thomas Tutoya. And we just yeah. put yeah. why Thomas is in the squad and not Quinny. So yeah. I'm just going to take us through our rankings before we move on to the next position. Cool. So uh, based on the stats um, and our obviously very sophisticated method of ranking these players, <laughs> first is Franz Malherber, second Volkolo, third Thomas Detroy, four Quinny Estates, and five Kalu Sadi, Sadi, who a lot of people also thought had a really good season, and six Trevor Nyakani. So... I think it's good in the sense that our first choice at the moment, at least, uh, Springbok Tighthead is number one. But like we said, a little bit worrying that Nyakane is down in six. But saying that, there's also very little between all six of these players in the stats. Like we said, scrum completion, sort of 4%, and some of the others not so great either. Yeah, um, cool. yeah so we're going to move on now. 
props are yesterday's news. <laughs> and <laughs> we're going to move to our number seven, other, other team's number six, but our blindside flank. <laughs> so our incumbent at the moment is obviously Peter Steftatoy, and he's quite um, on a pedestal and quite yeah, a way ahead of anyone else. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So... I guess we really want to see who, who's challenging him, who's who's pushing him in terms of the stats, and if he's actually even coming out on top. Mm. Yeah. So, so do you want to take us through our nine challenges, or eight challenges, plus Peter Steff? Who are you talking to? Alex, you can take uh, this one. Alex, <laughs> you. I'll do it. Um, yeah, okay, so quickly, the names are uh, Hanno Liebenberg, Jacques Vermeulen, Janis Kirsten, Dwayne Vermeulen, Quibus Visa, Sia Khaleesi, Peter Steff Toy, Kyle Brink, and Jean-Luc Dupree. Uh, so all of those guys, except I think for Dwayne Vermeulen and uh, Sia Khaleesi, played most of the season at seven. Jacques, exactly. Jacques Vermeulen actually played a lot of the season at six, but at, at open side. Well, but, then, but it's for the during shots. the season when he's yeah the player or not, and when yeah, uh, but, out, so. yeah but the Sharks also yeah, have the Sharks a bit of a history. They don't, really, they don't really use an open side. There. They just try to get as many big players as they can on the field. Yeah, so. Uh, but, but of course, of those, yeah. So Jacques Vermeulen is in fact a blindside flank. Dwayne Vermeulen, he's been deployed at blindside flank historically for a, a few different teams, and Sia Khaleesi kind of started his career more on the blind side for the Springboks. Um, so yeah. I think this, this is the fair, the fair guys to compare it to. Okay, so the categories, we've got meters per run. We've got average lineouts one slash stolen per 80 minutes. Um, obviously, you need your blindsider to be at least a lineout option. So that's that's why we have that there. Especially in the Springboks. Especially in the Springboks, yeah, absolutely. Um, average number of possessions to concede a turnover. So same as the props, how many times did they carry before they made a mistake? Tackle percentage, very, very important for a blindsider. Uh, average runs yep. per minute, so that's what we were talking about at the beginning with the industriousness. Um, average tackles per 80 minutes, the other side of the productivity. And then average penalties conceded per 80 minutes, so that's your discipline. So um, yeah. I'm looking at these pretty fresh because I didn't prepare as usual. Um, yeah, well, then we're just going to go straight to Ant. <laughs> Ant, please. What, what <laughs> sticks out for you? <laughs> Um, uh, sorry. Well, there's... <laughs> no, <that's good. laughs> I think also, um, in contrast to the props, there's significant variation yeah, within it's... each of the stats, each of the players. The props are all kind of centered around, and I suppose that makes sense because props have relatively similar roles on the field. Yeah. But if you look at meters, um, you know, the top is three, the lowest is 1.3. The uh, lineouts one, okay, I mean, that's less important, and that depends on the player's role, but that ranges from 2.3 down to 0.1. See, <laughs> Khaleesi is not a lineout option. Yeah. Um, also just doesn't jump. <laughs> but 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 yeah. uh, is it so to mean to be fair to see Khaleesi, he plays in a team with three lucks, right? So Exactly. So that that's why yeah. it's not as it's not his role in the team, so I'm not gonna carry too much weight on that. Okay. Um, what is surprising that Jean Luc Dupre is up he's second on the list there. He's equal to Peter Steff in terms of um, yeah. one to stay. Um really- I always remember last year whenever people were talking about or comparing him the Peter Steff and the Springbok setup, they're always saying, oh, Peter Steff's the lineup option, Jean Luc's not. But if you look at the stats, and there was something I knew, noticed at the time, is they're pretty even, actually. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, just, just kind of speeding through the rest of them. If you look at the difference in a number of possessions to the turnover, you've got 16 up at the top with Dwayne. Mm. And then there's quite a there's five guys sitting between six and eight uh, Jacques Vermeulen, 
Giannis Kirsten, Sia, Peter Steff, and John Luke Dupreer, all under eight. So they, you know, worse, they less than, they concede twice as often as Dwayne Vermeulen yeah. um, carrying the ball, which is quite poor. Same in tackle stats, you've got a 15% range between Giannis Kirsten and John Luke Dupreer at 94, and Kyle Brink down at uh, 80%. Uh, runs per 80 minutes, you've got Peter Steff at the top, obviously, yeah. 10.5, um, down to Hunter Lubenberg, only 6.7. Uh, tackles, yeah. that, they're a bit closer. Kubis Visa and Peter Steff come out on top, um, with Dwayne sitting right at the bottom. I think that's most likely because he is the only true eight amongst those, and eights often defend quite deep right. in the box. Mm. Um, so you'd expect him to be making less frontline hits. Mm. Um, the rest of them are all on the line, and the rest of them are fairly grouped together. Um, but yeah, the point is that there's a huge amount of variability, even down to penalties. You've got Kyle Brink sitting on point one, and Henry Liebenberg sitting sitting on one. So he's ten times more likely to see the penalty than Kyle Brink. That's crazy. <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. I think if you just add the sort of average runs and average tackles, you can see Peter Steff just sticking I'll, out. Yeah, like, that's what I was, I was about to say. Like, it's, it's mad that, that he's, productivity. Yeah, so he's, he leads them in runs per 80 minutes and he's second only to to Corvus Visa um, in tackles per yeah. minute. So, I mean, yeah, look, I think that, that really says it all uh, for me. Because like, if we go back to our original conversation about what are the most important stats per position and we narrow it down to those two um, then I think there's no challenger for Peter Steff to toy, really. Um, yeah, he's doing that with an 89% tackle completion. Yeah, exactly. But I, I just Which want is... to... Sorry, I, I'm going to get a little bit provincial for a quick for a hot second um, because there's obviously... <laughs> sorry, if you can hear a loud noise in the background, my dog is going mental. Um, <laughs> I took it for a walk. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> But anyway, so um, there's obviously three Stormers on the list. Sia Khaleesi, Peter Siftatoy, and Jacques... Uh, not Jacques Vermeulen, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Krubus uh, Visa. And the average line-out's one slash thrown per 80 minutes because we were talking about how Jean-Luc is equal to Peter Steff. So Peter Steff's on 1.9, which is second overall. But number one is Krubus Visa on 2.3. Yeah. So between the two of them, they're, they're stealing 4.2... Or stealing or winning 4.2 line-outs per 80 minutes. Um, to be fair, both are locks. No, I know, but they they turned out for the Stormers most of the time at seven. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that they are the height of the lock, so they should yeah, they have yeah. a comparative advantage at most the rest of them. Okay, okay. On the other side, you've got Aaron Liebenberg, who's a seven that played lock for yeah, a fair yeah. chunk of the season. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it's, also no, why, I mean, it's also why Sears so low. But I'm just I'm just impressed that like those guys between the two of them, they're getting so much done. Um, yeah. Anyway. Sorry, that's uh, not really relevant to this conversation. I just noticed it. But, uh, but, yeah, um, so what are the rankings then, Phil? How does it all crunch so, out? Yeah, if you look at the rankings, I, I just want to mention that coming on top is Jean-Luc Dupreer. And um, I think Rosie. by his standards, or at least his previous previous season standard, he didn't quite Rosie. live up to it, but he still comes out top. And um, I know he did pick up an injury, but... Both him and Dan Dupreer, I find it quite strange that they're not even in the sort of Springbok camp or being spoken about at the moment. Yeah. And part of that is that they had badly timed injuries. But I feel like in terms of the pecking order, they should be right behind our sort of first choices. Yeah. And I think these rankings show that with John Luke Dupreer even above Peter Steff in our rankings. Do you think that their sort of intent to move overseas and going yeah. to sale has sort of also had a bit of a impact on this uh, and I mean 
I'm not sure because you know they're quite happy to pick a whole bunch of overseas guys. So it's surprising yeah. that you know even give debuts to guys that are overseas, such as Colby. So um, and Vincent Koch had played what one game or two games before he left. So one would think that that shouldn't be a major driving factor. I don't think the injuries helped. Um, but yeah, as you say, I think that the lack of clear second choice options at blindside meant that um, and at eight, to be honest. Uh, yeah. With Warren White being injured, I would have thought that the, those two would be the next two off the rank. And after this World Cup, when Dwayne has gone, either Steph goes overseas, like these are surely the future of the Springbok Blues trio. Because there's no one else that's really, I mean, if you look through this list, you've got John Luke up at 40, Peter Steph at 36, okay, and Kirsten at 35, and Khaleesi at 32, Dwayne at 31. You know, the list drops off relatively quickly. Um, in terms of performance, I would imagine Dan Dupree, if we were to chuck him in here, would be on the similar level of numbers as, as Jean-Luc or Peter Steph. Mm. Yeah. So it, it is surprising that they're not being included in the conversations, or as you say, at least in the wider squad. Um, I definitely think there would be scope for them in there. Mm. Right. I, I and want, I, I, I wonder, think that cause... our rankings show that, you know, the sort of bottom three, Jacques Vermeulen, Hanra Liebenberg, and Kyle Brink. I think Kyle Brink was maybe called up to one Springbok squad last year, but those three right? seem like quite off the mark like they have quite a way to go and improve their games before they can be in this consideration mm. Alex yeah no, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying but like the two words that just keep keep echoing in my mind <laughs> and it's Reinhardt Elstadt like <laughs> what the fuck like I, I I get that there were injuries I get that guys maybe didn't have their best year but like what, yeah, what no, makes Rusty then go out like fucking pick Reinhard Elstad over someone like like a Johnny Dupree who was injured in the middle of the season but was he was fit at the end of the season? Only Dan was injured. I would at the have taken Kubis Visa over yeah. Reinhard Elstad every single day. Same, same. Like I don't hundred percent exactly. Two year old, twenty three year old, local player that already performed way better than Elstad's ever done. Yeah, and cover. I also I just don't understand it. Hmm. In every single category, Kubas Visa is a better player than Elstad. I agree. No, 100% <laughs> agree. I, like, it's, it doesn't make sense. I think as a position, like, blindside flank is just, like, such a goldmine for the Springboks. There are so many good options. Um, I think you can take, like, five or six of these guys, and they'll probably make, yeah. like, the Australian team. So, it's yeah. um, it's not a position where we need to go out and get someone like Elstad, I think. So, that one also baffled me a bit. It seems a very unnecessary shop. And also, it's it's just... I mean, we've spoken about it before. It's not lekker to give overseas guys debuts, um, yeah. you know, especially if they're 29, 30. Like, there's really no future for that player mm. as a fringe player in South Africa. Like, why are we bothering to do that when we have local options? Like, I would much rather have had literally anyone else on this list get a debut instead of Ulster. Yeah. yeah. In terms yeah. of player ability and the fact that they're local and, I mean, a, a myriad of reasons. Yeah. So even um, Jacques Dillon, who's bottom of the list? I haven't seen Jacques Vermeulen be worse than Elstad. Jacques Vermeulen's solid but not spectacular player. But yeah. in that's all Elstad ever was. Plus, he gave away six penalties again. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I was, yeah, was going to say. Like Jacques Vermeulen's penalties conceded per any minutes is 0.6. So, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Elstad's is higher. Uh, I've got historical bias against him as a Stormer supporter, but uh, yeah, I've, I've got no reason to think that he's changed. Uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what's kind of getting Visa, because looking at Visa, he's sitting 0.9, he's second highest. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. 
Okay, so I think we've covered the blindside flank roll pretty thoroughly. So we're going to swiftly move on to our final position for the evening, and that's number 11, left wing, mm. which is currently held first choice, although it's questionable, by Makazole Mapimpi. Um, again, there was a untimely injury for Apiwe Janchi. Uh, I do believe that he would have started in New Zealand if he didn't get injured, but we're not quite sure about that. So on our list, we have eight players, including those two. And do you want to take us through the list? I'm happy to, unless Alex felt that he's got to had a bit more time to prepare for this one. Uh, no, no. I was still looking okay. at the blindside flanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. And, I got... and, and, and why don't you take us through the players and the different um, metrics and stats, and then Alex can focus on some of the more individual Jump. players. <laughs> Give me a bit of time to do my homework. Okay, cool. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, so the players is, I mean, yes, as, as uh, Phil mentioned, we took a little bit of liberty with people's left and right wing um, sides, but I think we all feel that these guys can do a job on both sides if they need need to. So we've got Mapimpi, Dylan Lades, Dianti, Sibisiso Nkosi, Cornell Hendricks, Roscoe Speckman, Courtney Scorsan, and Sergio Peterson. Um, so quite a variety of players in terms of size, skill, ability into the high ball. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these stats kind of compare, um, especially in a position like wing where a lot of your involvement is driven by the ball that you get from your team and your role in the game plan. And, you know, everyone, Speckman famous, we went on, famously went on record and the Bulls just didn't play him into the game. Um, Fuck. Yeah, the, the category is most important. Take all my talking points. But yeah, so most important category is probably meters per run for a outside back. You know, when you get the, the ball in their hands, you want them to make ground. Um, so it's interesting that there's two kind of groups of players there. There's guys that are sitting around seven and a half, and then guys that are sitting around five and a half, six-ish. Um, the next one is average number of possessions to score. Uh, which is obviously important. If you're only going to give the ball, if you're going to give the ball to the guy five, ten times a game, you want him to get over the trial and kind of, hopefully, once out of those ten carries. Mm. Um, and there's a huge amount of variety in that stat. Again, I think that's potentially swinged, swung by the game plans employed by the different teams. Um, but it's still interesting nonetheless. Uh, we've got the average number of possessions to concede a turnover. That's also an important stat because if you swing the ball wide, to an isolated wing. You really would ideally like him to be able to stay on his feet, take contact until uh, he's got enough time to get the support there and he can reload rather than losing it every time you give him the ball. Um, yeah. Again, a large variety of abilities in there. We've got tackle percentage, important for a wide defender. Then we've got average defenders beaten per 80 minutes, which is, yeah, I suppose, an ability to show how they compare in a one and one. Average line breaks and then. I can't read that heading for you hitting it again. <laughs> average penalty. It's just average penalties conceded for 80 minutes. So it's a little bit less important probably than a turnover because it's so low. Uh, wings are very slow to give away penalties, but um, there is a little bit of uh, variance in there. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. so there's outliers in all these positions and it's all very, very varied. So I think there is a lot of motivate or there's a lot of scope for a coach to kind of pick and choose the stats that he prioritizes as the most important um which might translate into the findings we see um but yeah we'll let alex to focus on some of the specifics here um yeah so so my my excel spreadsheet just let me down i was trying to do a quick calculation on the ratio so 
I've I've just been fixated while you've been talking on the second two columns on our on our sheet, which are the average number of possessions to score a try or try assist, and the average number of possessions to concede a turnover. Because that's your your sort of error rate to to conversion rate ratio. So, for example, yeah. um, the worst the the worst in terms of average number of possessions to score a try or try assist is Sergio Peterson. Sergio Peterson requires 63 touches of the ball <laughs> in order to, to make something happen. Uh, which is, we know? I don't know if this is correct, Phil. I mean, these are your stats, but that blows do, my mind. Do you have, do you have try assist in there? Cause that do, we know, do, do, yeah. Yeah, do we know how many tries Sergio Peterson scored or assisted? I think it might be like one. Yeah, but I, th- I thought he was having a good year when he when he played. He didn't play that much. But... He wasn't he wasn't on the field much, but he definitely was involved. I yeah, I thought so. The, yeah. Anyway, um, so but okay, but he he's a good let's, example let's, for this because he's yeah, oh god. Um, but anyway, so so he's <laughs> she chucked this. So you need to give him the ball sixty three times in order for him to make something productive out of it. But every six point three times he touches the ball, he concedes a turnover. So there's a, so he's a good, he's a good example for what I was trying to calculate before um, uh, Bill Gates fucked me over, but basically he's got a one to ten ratio. So he requires ten like yeah every his, his error rate is a tenth of his try scoring rate, which is, around. which is really bad. He gives away ten turnovers for every try he scores. Yeah, sorry that that's you got it. So. Um, if you there's, give him... there's another player on this list who's got a very, very similar ratio. Yeah. Um, you're talking about uh, Incorsi? Yep. Okay, so Incorsi takes 50 carries to score a try, which is very different this year to last year. Last year he was way better. This year he just didn't score any tries. Um, Shots didn't score any tries, yeah. really. In the outside I mean, Dan Dupree was their yeah. primary try scorer. Yeah, draft pick. Although you say that, but Mpimpi's uh, record is a lot better, or at least his stat, yeah. that try conversion stat is a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, so it's, I just think, yeah, there, there's a lot to, to, to dig into there. Um, we've really run a bit over time, but yeah, I'm like, I'm fascinated by, by this like error rate compared to try rate. Um, so some, some of the people who score, who are a bit more favorable, um, Mapimpi, you guys just mentioned, he scores a try or a try assist every 18 possessions, which is good. Um, but the best two are Cornell Hendricks with 9.2 and Roscoe Speckman 9.7, the two Blues wingers. Uh, and as, men- as Ant mentioned, this is a we bit con- contradictory to the narrative that Speckman was, was giving, which is that the Bulls wingers were not given enough opportunities to do well. Although, I mean, maybe they just, you know, they had to do it themselves. But, I think that's the point, is that when they yeah. got the ball, they were very productive with it. And, but the game plan yeah. wasn't to give them the ball, and that's what frustrated them. Yeah, yeah. Um, just looking very, very quickly and tying these things together, is the four best um, uh, number of possessions scored try are Mapimpi, Dianti, Hendricks, and Speckman. They are also the four players with the meters per run in the sevens. Yeah. Right. So there's a very yeah, strong correlation yeah, between yeah, those. Yeah, you'd expect that, though. Because yeah. scoring a try will probably be like a 40-meter... Um, effort a lot of the time, especially if you like Roscoe. So are we saying that those four are the best attack, four probably the four best attacking options that we have on this list? Uh, yeah, I think 
I mean, I'm surprised. Yeah, so... I would have put Peterson on there generally, but I'm surprised that. I'm, but I'm not I'm, surprised. But, yeah, yeah. I'm very confused by Peterson's numbers. <laughs> but uh, right. I mean, just... so look, I mean, th those yeah, are maybe just the great. four best individualist wingers, right? So yeah. it's like, give him the ball, he'll make something happen out of nowhere. Not necessarily the most kind of like structural attacking wingers. Because, yeah. you know, Dylan Lays, he stands out on this list as the only one who played regularly at, at fullback. He wasn't really a winger. Sure. So sure. you can't read really time with the same brush. But then at the same time, I'd expect him to have almost more of an impact because he should be getting a lot more try assists, not just tries. And, and more meters, at least, because he's catching the ball deep far more than others do. Yeah, yeah that's also true. Um, um, and, and just just to be on that, it's fair that in Corsi as well, he plays right wing, which is quite a different attacking position to left wing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But as you were saying, last year, last year he made that work because he played on the right last year and he uh, was just a lot more effective, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, another uh, juxtaposition, highest average defenders beaten per 80 minutes is Dylan Leeds at 3.3. <laughs> so, and, yeah. and that's in stark contrast to the lowest, which is Corner Hendricks 1.4. So... Hendricks is, be is beating the fewest defenders out of everyone, but then he's making the most meters, second most meters per carry out of everyone. So he's getting the ball in open space. Yeah. And he's just running before, like long, a long distance before he gets tackled. So that speaks to the, <laughs> I would say in a way, the Bulls using their wings more effectively. Maybe <laughs> right. more seldom, and I, and I understand the frustration, but you don't get the ball as often. But when they, you do get the ball... It's in a try-scoring uh, position, so that yeah, for me I would indicate a, a, a quite a sophisticated attack. Um, but I'm, I'm surprised that Dylan Lades has got the most defenders beaten per 80 minutes on 3.3, but then one of the lowest, sorry, the second lowest meters per run. So Lades is yeah. doing like that sort of like that cockroach thing where you like scat like the Cheslin Colby, you know, busting tackles but not really making any any distance on it. Um, Which makes sense, I guess. It does make sense, yeah. It's just, it's just funny. It's interesting. Sorry, the last... Do you want to take us... Can I take the... Little, okay, sorry. I'll just highlight one very last statistic because this is something that's been bothering me for probably the whole year. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> no, seriously, you'll see why it's relevant the, now. The, the more, tackle percentage. Yeah, exactly. More so than ever before. Well in my 50. 100%. Well, not 100%. 87.9%. <laughs> um, because people keep saying Mpimpi's a defensive liability. And I don't know where they got this from. Like, it's it's gotten worse the last couple of weeks because of the mistake he made in the All Blacks game. And yes, he's he's maybe a bad defender in that in that sense, or he was, you know. Yeah. He, but, but but when he gets his guy, he's a big, strong guy. Like he's he's a bit like JP Peterson, except I think he's got better technique than JP Peterson ever had. Um, don't get me started on that. But <laughs> you know, so <laughs> Maxwell Mapimpi is making eighty-eight percent of his tackles. The next highest and list, yeah. the next highest is is only is Cornell Hendricks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the next highest is Cornell Hendricks with seventy four point five. So that's, that's like huge. that's a forty that's percentage huge. point difference. And the other options, credibly for the Springboks, a lot of people saying he should get a ticket to Japan based purely, I can only imagine, on last year's performance against England, is a Piwa Dianchi. He's got sixty seven percent tackle completion. That's that's Second not words, good. Yeah. That's pretty terrible. Yeah, 20% worse than the Pimpy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and the one last peculiarity, which makes me think that Phil Medi stats up, is that <laughs> Sergio Peterson, with his 63 average number of possessions to score a try, his 6.3 average number of possessions to see a turnover, has a tackle percentage of 63.3%. And that is just 
way too coincidental for my liking. Um, so I'm calling bullshit on the entire episode, and this is just because Phil had nothing better to do on a Tuesday night, or and and wanted someone to talk to. You. Um, so there you go. That's my conspiracy. We're never theory. inviting you ever again. That's <laughs> um, um, bizarre. And, anyway. and do you want to just take us through the final rankings of the, our wings? Yeah, so, I mean, it's something that was said multiple times throughout the year, but Cornell Hendricks had a very good season. Um, <laughs> he comes back top. I can't remember who said that first, but yeah. <laughs> with 31.5. Second is Corsan, 30. Pimpy 29. Speckman, 27. So both Bulls' wings up in the top four. Mpimpy um, being the top of any of the realistic book uh, prospects. Then Dillard's Dianti shared. And Corsi, very low down on 24. Um, it's a whole eight point on Hendricks and Sergio Peterson with his 63, 63, um, comes in with a third of 63 at 21 in last place. Um, well, how do we feel about the fact that Incorsi and Dianti are, are second and third last respectively? Well, I mean, our main question or one of our main questions going into this was whether we can sort of shift and Kossi over to 11 as yeah. a backup for Mpimpi potentially. Yeah. And um, I don't I think, think that these stats say that we can't. Hmm. Yeah, but um, there which are is, different why I raised the question in the other group is I feel Colby would be a better conversion on the 14 and Kossi is a solid if not a spectacular 15. I mean 14. Whereas Colby's yeah. got the attacking ability to be an effective eleven. Maybe, right. but I mean these. So these are, of course, his stats as fourteen, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Which are not spectacular either, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, then, so do, do you was, do you rather just take the worst player and put him out of position and keep the the guy who's performing where he's performing? Is would kind of be my logic. It's interesting, Alex. I know that you feel that Apuwe Janchi is not going to go to the World Cup. I think yeah. you. Uh, Record saying that. Um, yep. I think I disagree with. Before then, I'll go on record now. I think I disagree with you. Not saying that he sort of deserves to. Obviously, based on his season, he hasn't had a particularly good one. But I just can't see them not bringing him. I think he's gonna be ready soon. And yeah. no, I, I know there's a lack of spots yeah. for the outside backs. Well, so this and is he the, only this really is the, left. This, is, this is the question, right? So uh, I can appreciate that there's good reasons to take the anti, but you need to make an argument why he goes over someone else. So who do you yes. think he's going instead of? Because it's got to be either Nkosi or Mapimpi. <sighs> exactly. I, I, I don't know, but I just can't see him doesn't not have going. A team, so I don't see that happening. I, I, right. like as, as poor as, as Nkosi may have been, Gianchi hasn't been better. And now he's no. been injured. So I, I just don't see a case for him to go over, over Nkosi. And if we accept Mapimpi's the starting left wing, and these stats seem to bear up the fact that he ought to be, Right. There is no place for Gianti, so it's not, I'm not trying to shit on him. It's just there's no place for him. Yeah, I think his injury came at a very poor time. Um, it was really bad. Yeah. I think the only thing that might count in his favor is the fact that when he got injured, they didn't replace him in the squad, um, suggesting that they're not looking at other options. But as Alex says, there's only so many places, and I don't see anyone in the current squad that I would drop to bring him in. I think it should be interesting. I don't know if he'll be back or not, but if he's not, so we'll probably see Mapimpi start this weekend against Argentina, but then mm. in the following match when they're rotating, it should be interesting to see who they start at 11. The only thing that'll change my mind about this is if Francois Stein is played at fullback 
in the next okay. two games against Argentina. Because yeah, then... the center slash fullback option. Yeah, because then... Then you can drop Galant. Then, yeah, yeah, then Galant gets dropped. And I'm fine right. with it. I'd rather take Tianchi than Galant. If... Or if they start Colby at 15, presumably. Yeah, all, all that. But I mean, I, I think... Yeah, I think we've got quite a precarious balance in the team at the moment. And I think Colby's established himself as the guy who's a fixture. And yeah. you, you move other people around him rather than him around other people. And I think the same for yeah. like Andre Pollard. I'm a big fan of the theory that Andre Pollard can play 12, but I think we're, we're past the point for this World Cup cycle where we can consider that as an option. He's got to be yeah, attention and you move people around him. So yeah. I, can, I, can, I can live with Francois Stan at 15 if he's still got the goods, remains to be seen. I can live with Galant at 15 um, if, if that's mm. the plan. But yeah, if, if, if Stan can show more in the, in the next game or two at 15 than Galant has, I'm all for dropping Galant and taking Gianchi as an extra winger. All right, and Ant, any final words? I think we're just about going to wrap up now. Um, no, I'm pretty pretty comfortable. I think we've covered most of the main points here. Yeah. Alex, any final remarks? Um, my final remark is that I'm incredibly bad at time management, and I don't do my homework. I feel like that was also an unnecessary remark that's been pretty clear so thanks <laughs> yeah, for that it's more, of a, <laughs> it's more of a mere culpa to anyone who's listening and, right. and thought as I did that this would take 15 to 30 minutes <laughs> perfect okay thank you everybody for listening and this has been another midweek ELB special ELB Alex what does it stand for quickly before we go uh, it's, ELB stands for everyone's ratings breakdown thank you thank you and with that Good night.